Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Let me build on what I taught yesterday as well. Here we have a special section for ministers. So I want to build up on what I taught yesterday as well. So we're going to look at again Leviticus chapter 25 on the basis of redemption. Leviticus 25, reading from verse 23. We're dealing with redemption realities and the benefit that comes to you as a redeemed being. And how that as ministers we should be able to make declaration of what we discovered in terms of redemption in our ministries. Now in Leviticus 25, there was a law of redemption from verse 23. It said, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession, ye shall grant a redemption for the land. There's always a buying back of the land. And this also is telling you just like what he was sharing. The war was sold into slavery, into bondage, if you will, through Adam. But again, the land is not sold forever. There had to be redemption for the land. And that is why Jesus had to die for the whole world, not for him, just individuals. So the redemptive power of Jesus covers all things that was lost in Adam. Because the land was not meant to be sold forever. Is it making sense to you? Then verse 25. If thy brother be waxing poor and sold away some of his possessions, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And again, you got to understand that. Anyway, let me just go down. And if the man have none to redeem it, and himself be able to redeem it not, then let him count the years of the sale thereof, and restore the overplus unto the man to whom he is holy, that he may return unto his possession. But if he be not able to restore it to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that has bought it until the year of Jubilee. And in the Jubilee it shall go out, and it shall return unto his possession. Hallelujah. So possession, I mean, Jubilee and redemption, they go together. Like I said yesterday, um, redemption simply defines the act as a kinsman redeemer, an avenger, pay ransom if you will, um, to do the part of the kinsman. You can find several other definitions. Now let me give you a simple illustration here. Why is it that Jesus is really qualified to redeem us? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. It says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, drove through that he might do what? Destroy him that have the power of death, and that is the devil. But the first thing I want you to see there is children of partakers of flesh and blood. So he took part in flesh and blood. Many is not qualified to be able to redeem us because now a kinsman redeemer unto us. Because you cannot, in the law of redemption, 
Go to redeem anybody that you don't have a relationship with. Did you get that? So for God to redeem, he has to come down in form of a man so that he can qualify to fulfill the law of redemption in redeeming us back to himself. Like I said, right from the fall, man, Jesus Christ, sold the whole nation into the hands of the devil. So, as it were, man was a slave. And so now, because he was a slave, he didn't have what it takes to redeem himself. So God had to do that by himself in coming as a man. The key thing you need to understand about this redemption work, like we're saying, is the factor of kinsman redeemer. He is the only one qualified to redeem us because Adam and Eve sold us and the whole nation into the hands of the enemy. We all slaves. Praise God, somebody. And then there is a good law that you need to understand, which I emphasized yesterday, the principle there, in Leviticus. It said, if you cannot redeem yourself, right, you got to wait until the year of Jubilee. So God have ordained that there is no permanent slavery for his creation. There has to be a time of jubilee. And Jesus came and making a declaration in Luke chapter 4. He said, the Lord has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel, anoint the sick, and declare the year of liberty or freedom, if you will. Hallelujah. The day of liberty. Now, if you look at that scripture critically, he took it from Isaiah. But in Isaiah, you see it talking about the day of vengeance. But Jesus never included vengeance in his ministry because he came for redemption. Praise God somebody. So now Jesus redeemed us from not just the cause of the law, from everything that Adam placed us or placed upon us as a people. As slaves, he was qualified to redeem us. Praise the living God. So when you come to the year of Jubilee, when Jesus talking about it in Luke chapter 4, 8, 9, the year of Jubilee has to speak of the gospel that you have to receive to be able to overcome and to understand that you are free from the slavery that Adam and Eve sold us into. Amen? Praise God. So this is what Jesus did here. And so, when you go down to Luke chapter 1 like he read, um, looking at the 67, 68, and then 69, this is what he said. And his father Zachariah, that was the father of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited, he said that as well, and redeemed his people. Visited and redeemed. So the visit, like he said, very accurate, is to get people to be redeemed. He has visited and redeemed his people. And the 69 said, and raise up an honor of salvation for us in the house of his son, David, or servant David. Praise the living God. Are you done with me? Right. He has visited and done what? Redeemed us. Get that right. And has raised up an honor of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. That is Christ now. This is Zachariah prophesying. So the things I want you to know there is, like you mentioned, the issue of redemption and visitation. Amen? Praise the living God. Okay, go very quickly. I'm not intending to take a lot of time because I want him to speak. Uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 18. 
For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. In fact, as a matter of fact, he must make a statement. I want to go there. He said, some of the things we are saying and teaching and believing, they are the lies of our fathers. Did you get that? So we have vain conversation, vain lifestyle that we're indulging. But you see, the redemptive power of the blood delivers us from all of that. By implication, wisdom comes to you when you begin to walk in redemption. Hallelujah. He redeemed us from our vain conversations which we receive by tradition from our fathers. The way we walk, the things we did. Amen? And some of the things we believed in. And even the things we, as it were, lived our life by. They were all vain conversation, vain lifestyle, and the redemptive work of Christ took all of us out of that. And then verse 19. We are not redeemed with corruptible things, but verse 19, but with what? The precious blood of Christ. Amen? As of a land without blemish and without spot. We are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And this is very, very important. Like I may also see yesterday. Anything you are redeeming, you are paying the equivalent of that price. If your brother was owing, for instance, 30,000, you're going to pay 30,000 to get your brother out of the bondage. Are you listening to me? So the value of what you are redeeming should be equal to what you are paying. And this is very critical. I need you to pay close attention to that. It simply means, like as we're going to progress, the value of your life is the value of the blood of Jesus. Because that's what he paid. Hallelujah. The value of your life is equivalent to the value of the blood of Jesus. He could have paid anything less. And like I always say, anyway, let me move on a little bit, I'll show you. Revelation 5 verse 9. Bible said they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. Perfectly what he said. The redemption is for all mankind. It's not just for a set of people. And I, I want you to pay attention to this particular scripture as well. He said, he redeemed us, but before saying that, he talks about the song word, a new song. And I'll make you see that from the book of Revelation chapter 15. There's a song of redemption. There's a song of deliverance. The song of Moses is a song of deliverance. But the song of Jesus is a song of redemption. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So now look, Acts chapter 20 verse 28. I tend to be very brief. Acts 20 28. He said, take it unto yourself 
I mean, take it therefore unto yourselves. And all the flock over the queen the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God which has purchased with what? His own blood. How did he do that? God is spirit. Amen? Now, like I was trying to say, you mustn't forget this principle, which is the law. There are some laws that you can fulfill, only God can fulfill those laws. For yourself, for your sake, and for you. And one of those laws, for instance, is an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. These are laws that you can fulfill. Hallelujah. Are you following me? And so, Jesus, I mean God, how to fulfill that law. Now why? God is spirit. And for him to be able to redeem man, he will not only become as man, he has to produce a blood that is higher than that of a man that have fallen. Are you following this? Now here is the picture. Because God cannot as a spirit, no relationship, even spirit, and we be men. That's why we read in that Hebrew chapter 2, he has to become a man. So basically the blood, and say he redeemed man with his own blood. That is why you have to understand that Jesus and God are just the same thing. God is Jesus, Jesus is God. Is that okay? God is the Holy Spirit, if you will. And somebody gets confused sometimes, and we're thinking, what? You may be thinking about what they call the Trinity. Sorry, there is not like Trinity. What you have is triunity. One God expressing himself in three personalities. You are spirit, soul, and body. That doesn't make you three people. We have the sun, the rays of the sun, the heat of the sun, and whatever. It's the same sun. If you take H2O, put it in a bucket, you have water. If you heat it up, you have steam coming out of it. At the end, it becomes vapor. If you take that same vapor or water, put it in the deep freezer, I give you ice block. You have not changed the H2O, but you change the state of the H2O. Is that making sense to you? God is spirit, so it condenses, if you will, into a human form called Jesus. They are not two different people. They are not three people. Now how many of you understand that the Bible tells us that Mary, the angel said that which is in high is of the Holy Ghost. That means the Holy Ghost is the father of Jesus. Is everybody making sense here? So you can't separate these three people. And like people always say, well Jesus made a statement. If you sin against the father, you shall be forgiven. If you sin against the son, you shall be forgiven. But if you sin against the Holy Ghost, you shall not be forgiven. Why? So who is more important among the three if you think there are three gods? It's me, the Holy Ghost is more important. So the Holy Ghost should be your God. Did you see that? But what Jesus was saying was, in terms of redemption and giving man back to himself, he came to Israel as God, Father God. And man said, no, he is the God of the Jews. So it's okay, I'm still going to come back because I need to get man back to myself. So he came as Jesus. And men turned around and said, No, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And God said, No, okay, fine. That notwithstanding, I still need to get you back. And I'm going to come as the Holy Spirit. So he finally came as the Holy Spirit. And so God is saying, When you say, 
I sin against God, I sin against Jesus with the Son. And you sin under the Holy Ghost. He said, There is no way you're going to get back to me. In other words, that's my last card. Are you following me? That's what it means you will not be forgiven if you sin against the Holy Ghost. But of course, we do know. At the name of Jesus, all name of God. All Thomas confess that Jesus is Lord. And no man can call upon the Lord Jesus except by what? By the Holy Ghost. So ultimately, there is nothing like unpardonable sin. Because all men are going to confess. Through the influence and the power of the Holy Ghost. God cannot redeem half or three quarter of what Adam destroyed. As in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now this is done through the blood. So he poured his blood into Christ. So the blood that was flowing in the life of Jesus was the blood of who? Of God. Because if the blood is not that of God, which is without spot or wrinkle, incorruptible, it can redeem you. Because you can redeem corruption with corruption. That is why the animal sacrifice it could not work. Why? The animal sacrifice was not the equivalent of the blood of a man. What God needed to redeem must be the equivalent of the what was destroyed, which was the blood of a man. Are you getting this now? Good. So now God had to fulfill that law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And see, there was no other availability of equivalent of what man is. For him to do that, he has to come all by himself. To be able to redeem man. Praise the living God somebody. That is why he said that the blood here is the blood of God. You remember? The angel told Mary. When she said how can this thing be? After he said the Lord has been favored. He said the power of the most high shall overshadow thee. And that thing that shall be in hell. On you shall be called the son of God. Did you get that? So it's the son of God. That means. Mary as it were. Was a human being. Man, but the blood that was in that seed was the life of the blood of God. Meaning, God, I mean, Jesus was both man and God. Are you sitting there with me? Get it right. And so now, when you get down to Matthew 27, verse number 4, Judas said something here. Matthew 27, verse number 4. I have seen in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See that to that. The innocent blood. Now when you trace the word innocent, it means the alpha blood. The alpha blood means the original blood. And that's the blood that is not corrupted. And that was the blood that Adam had before the fall. Is the alpha blood. Are you still following what I'm saying now? So your redemption is through the alpha blood. So the blood that was supposed to be in your life right now should be the alpha blood. Because it bought you the equivalent of that blood. Hallelujah. Are we together? That is why I wrote something recently on Facebook. I got a minister preaching and writing on Facebook and said, Jesus died as a sinner. So that's blasphemous. Because the understanding we have, which the Father really taught us, is that our sins were on Him. No. 
Jesus' blood was pure. It is a punishment of your sin that was in Jesus, not your sin. The chastisement of our peace were laid on him. He didn't say our sins were laid on him. To teach that Jesus carried your sin, that simply means he couldn't have been able to redeem you because sin cannot redeem sin. But the punishment of your commitment, your punishment of your sin, were laid on him. So he bore your punishment that you might be free. It's what I'm talking about this king's marriage, my thing. Take for instance, you owe 50,000 and you were to go to prison, whatever the case may be. And your brother comes along and say, let me pay the 50,000 or let me go to prison for him safe. Let him be free. It doesn't mean that you are the one that committed the crime. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Yeah. You are not the one that committed the crime. But because he's your brother, you want to pay off the debt that is owing. And so take away the punishment that was supposed to come to him. So Jesus being our king's redeemer, pay the price and of all, the price of debt too. Because the wages of sin is debt. He paid a price that we may not pay it. We have been redeemed. Not by corruptible thing, but by the blood of Jesus, which is the Alpha blood. And that is done that we might be completely set free. Can I hear an amen to that? Praise the living God. I just need you to pick this up because it's vitally, vitally important when we talk about the issue of redemption so that we know the value of life that we are supposed to have. And that's why I keep saying this. You see, when we travel, you see all our good ministers and whatever it is, they come around and they're placing the blood on tires, put it on the road. Uh, some of you are involved in that as well. I don't know what you're thinking about. I don't know what you really, if you know the value of the blood of Jesus, you can't play the blood on tires. Are you still there with me? And somebody will say, well, they put the blood on the lintel in Egypt, in Exodus 12. Then go read the account again. He said, when I see the blood, not the devil, I will pass over you. What is that supposed to mean? It was God that was destroying and not the devil. And what God was saying that if I see the blood, I see my life. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So I can't destroy myself. Once I see the blood, I know you are my son. Therefore, I won't destroy you. That's what it means. So when you start carrying the precious blood of the Lamb, and you place it on tires, I think that is high level of ignorance. Praise the living God. And when people do that, you also say amen to it. You don't know what you are standing. You don't know what you are doing. You don't know what you are saying. You are trying to devalue the very blood of Jesus Christ with which you were bought. The precious alpha blood. You can plead it on tires. It's meant for beings. Hallelujah. Even in the Old Testament, when you plead the blood in, in the tabernacle, what was? It's to sanctify them. That's precisely what it was supposed to mean. But that was the animal blood for God to be able to make use of them. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. So here we see Judas cried out, I betrayed the innocent blood, the awful blood, the original blood that have no sin in any form. So Jesus did not carry sin. Amen. Praise the living God. But our punishment, our chastisement, the fault of that which we committed were laid on him. He suffered on our behalf. That's what it means. 
It's like you see the case of Barabbas and himself on the judgment hall of Pilate. You remember the story? Good. Now, Barabbas, or Barabbas was released and Jesus was punished. Did you get that? And that actually speaks of the entire world. What they did there was for all of mankind. It was typical of all of mankind. Praise the living God. So he took the punishment, though innocent as he was, so that you can be one, can be free. And that is basically the law of the king's redeemer. Like we read in Leviticus 25. Did you get that? Praise the living God. So go with me to Revelation 14 verse number 3. Okay, let's take him from verse 1. Verse 1, Revelation 14, verse 1. I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters. When you talk about many waters, it means a lot, lot, lot people. I mean, lot sums of people. A huge crowd. Hallelujah. And as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers happening with their harps. Verse 2 says, And they sung as it were, what? A new song. Before the throne, before the four base and the elders, and no man could lend that song but the hundred and forty-four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Many in those of us who are redeemed through his precious blood, we have a song that we have a language that we speak. Are you following me? 144,000 is not a rhythmic number. 1, 2, 3, 4, 144,000 is actually the number of God. Right? 12 times 12 gives you what? 144. 12 is the number of the kingdom. So you have 12 apostles, 12 disciples. I mean, you understand that? 12 children of Israel. 12 is the number of the kingdom. So this is the fullness of kingdom lifestyle, if you will. The fullness of God's kingdom. That is 12 times 12, 144. So all of the people right here are those who have been redeemed from amongst men on the face of the earth. And we have a new song that we sing, which is the song of redemption. That is to say, you are identifying with the one that redeemed you. In all situation, in all circumstance. Your past is gone. It's a new day. It's a new song. It's a new season. Season based on the precious blood by which you are redeemed. Are you still there with me? So, as a minister, this is one of the things that must hold dear. The song you sing, what I mean is what you teach your people, what, what you really make them see in relation to the redemption of Christ. Are you still there? Praise the Lord. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, These are they. Hallelujah. Quit we are not defiled with women. For they are virgins. Glory, glory. These are the which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from amongst men, being the first fruit unto God and to the Lamb. You need to look at something here. This where they were not defiled with women. What is that supposed to mean? So he made the one before they are all men. <laughs> Glory to God. Then I wonder if you say women are defies people. How many of you understand that men also defy women? So this is not talking of your natural defilement, if you will. Women in the Bible speaks of churches and denominations. Remember the harlot, Revelation 17? That seated on many waters. Amen. And verse 15 tells us the many waters that the soil, tongues and nations and tribes. 
These are not defined by women. That means we have a pure language that we have been able to discover, which is our song in relation to redemption. We are not corrupted by anything anybody wants to think about it. Praise God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? These are not defined by women. That means churches can corrupt the language that we are supposed to be speaking. Doctrine can mess our understanding and reduce us to nothingness and even take us back to that vain conversation by which we have been redeemed. These people were not defied by women. You must mind the doctrines that you give to your people. Amen? He said they are virgins. That simply means they were pure unto the word of God. Give me James 1 verse 18. Let me see. Hallelujah. They were pure in what they believed. They were pure in what they know. They followed the Lamb. Praise God. Of his own will began he us with what? The word of truth. That we should be what? A kind of first fruit of his creature. Now note that very well. And go with me to the next verse. Just read the next verse. Now that same verse. Revelation 14 verse number 4. What did he say? Say these are they which were not defiled with women for their virgins. They are they which follow the line with the where these were redeemed from among men and become what? The first fruits unto God and to who? And the Lamb. So what gives you become a first fruit? James 1 verse 18. Go back there. Hallelujah. James chapter verse 18. Of his own will begat he us with what? The word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruit of his creature. So you see that? So we all make up the one forty four thousand. We are the first fruit unto God through the word. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Through the word of God. And so we follow the lamb without ever he goeth. Remember, Second Corinthians 11. Paul was struggling with these people and said, I desire to present you as what? A chaste virgin unto God. And what was he saying that? Because there were apostles that were coming in to corrupt the teachings of Paul in the Corinthian church. Those who claimed to be apostles and yet they were not. Is that okay? That's why he said, my body, my desire, my cry is that I must present you as what? A chaste virgin unto God. So the man who is a virgin as far as the scripture is concerned is a man who is pure in the word of God. Praise the living God. And God intends us to live this way. Hallelujah. So now, let me try to end up here. Like I said, I don't want to spend so much time. Go with me to uh, Revelation 15 verse number 2. I just wish you'd be able to pick something in relation to redemption. Hallelujah. And I saw it where a sea of glass mingled with fire. That's purity anyway. And then they had gotten the victory over the beast. And over his image. And over his mark. <laughs> you know how many of you. I mean. Just a few times now. You know how. Disturbed. I would say the church is. Because of the issue of. COVID-19. Vaccine. All of them tied up to me. The mark of the beast. I don't know if you have read that before. You've heard that. Good. That's the mic of the beast. Like, I used to joke. I have taken my own vaccine. I've taken it. I'm going back from a second dose. Right? It's nothing to do with the mic of the beast. I got my job on my left side. Not my right hand. 
But the mark of the beast is supposed to be on the right hand. So it's not the mark of the beast. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I haven't seen anybody who received this job on the forehead. They said the mark is on the forehead, on the right hand. Is that okay? But I've not seen anybody receiving on the forehead. So it's not the mark of the beast. Until they do this, then I will know that's the mark of the beast. But the Bible says they receive the mark on the right hand, in their forehead. Is that okay? And it's image. Why right hand? Why not left? Now, have you ever read also in the book of Mark? And Jesus, if your right hand caused you to sin, why is only talking about right hand? You mean left hand does not make anybody sin? Oh. Right hand is a place of power. It's a place of authority. They shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. To take the mark of the beast in your right hand is to do ministry outside of the power of Christ. That's what he's talking about. Nothing to do with a literal mark on your hand. A false ministry is what he's describing. Forehead is a place of wisdom. Did you read that in Revelation 14 verse 1? They have the mark of the Father on their forehead. Did you read that? It's a place of wisdom. You're writing the exam now. You got confused. You're trying to get back your memory. What do you do? You begin to crack your head. I wish you can get the answer back. Is that okay? Forehead speaks of wisdom. So we are talking of people who are using the wisdom of this world and using part of this world to do ministry. Those are the men who have taken the mark of the beast in their forehead and their right hand. Are you listening to me? Nothing to do with the literal mark. Put me anywhere. So all those propagating mark of the beast, all of them, they don't even understand what it means. Who is the beast? Is the Adam? Adam is a beastly man because he walked into the life of the beast. The beast, Genesis chapter 3, tells us the serpent was the most soft of all the beasts that God created. Now the serpent sold his own life unto Adam. But basically Eve anyway. Because 2 Timothy tells us that, that Adam was not in a transgression, the woman was. How I many of you remember that? Adam never sinned, it was the woman that sinned. Huh. Said, but the Bible says Adam sinned. I said no. Because you see, if Adam has sinned like Eve... Jesus wouldn't have been able to redeem you because Jesus would also been a sinner. <laughs> that may confuse you. But you know what happened? Adam sinned. Jesus had, I mean, Adam, I mean, Eve sinned. Jesus had to follow Eve out of the garden so that Ephesians 5 would be fulfilled. God, which is Christ, gave himself for the church. Are you following that? The church was corrupted. He who is the husband came to the church to redeem the church unto himself as pure vessel without spot or wrinkle. So the, the whole thing was not actually Adam, it was Eve. How did he go? Out of love. He will not allow the wife to perish. If Adam had not stepped out with Eve, Jesus would not have stepped down to take man to himself. Because mankind is the wife of Jesus. Are you still there with me? So here we got a victory over the beast and over his image and the mark and over the number of his name. What's the number of his name? 666. Is that okay? Huh? Are we together? Now how many of you understand that the first man that bought that number in the Bible is actually Solomon? The wealth of Solomon put together was 666. So was it the beast? People don't understand anything about that. 
How many of you understand what Jesus said? You made the word of God of no effect through the tradition of your fathers. That word tradition is 666. People don't think about this. They are looking for a literal mark to be on your forehead. You are not going to get one. Even now, you already have the mark of God on your forehead. So there is no room for the mark of the beast to come on your forehead. Are you still there with me? Why is it number 666? You got to understand this. There's a number of times that man have rebelled against God. God came to redeem like I said in the beginning. They say he's the God of the Jews, scene number one. He came as Jesus Christ. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, scene number two. He came as the Holy Ghost. They said, no, no, no. We can take it. There's nothing like the Holy Ghost. Scene number three. Six, six, six. That's the number of times man have rebelled against God. It's an Adamic life. It have nothing to do with an individual. They'll give you a mark on your forehead. Be not afraid of all these false teachings that is going on. This is why you should sing a new song, which is a song of redemption. Are you still there with me? Let your teaching be so pure that men will continue to grow into the measure of the stature of Christ. Not religion. So let me just finish with this. And he said, go to verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the song of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous, either was Lord God Almighty, just and true, either ways, thou King of saints. Glory to God. So here we're talking about people who understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, like you're trying to say. You can say, you hear people say, well, I'm a preacher of the New Testament. I'm a preacher of grace. They don't really understand what they are talking about. Grace is not just about your sins are forgiven. Grace is also you not sinning. Let me show you what I mean by grace. It's a prompting of the heart not to do certain things or to do certain things. Like he was saying in Genesis chapter 20. Remember Abimelech's story? How Abimelech took Sarah. Right? And now God came in and said, you return this woman to the husband. Because she is a prophet wife. And then, what's the next thing that happened? Abimelech said, but in my innocence, have I done that? He told me that the person is her sister. And in true sense, yes, he was, I mean, she was the sister to Abraham because she was the mother's brother. Right? Now, God said, I withheld you from sinning against me. That is grace. Grace is not just committer. Grace is restrained. But God can restrain you from doing certain things that you're not supposed to do. Are you still there with me? In John chapter 8, when the woman that was caught in her daughter was brought to Jesus, remember what he said there? By the time he finished the whole story, he said, Go and see no more. That was not an appeal. That was not a suggestion. You know what she told the woman? From today, the desire to commit adultery is taken from you. That is grace. Grace was released to that woman that she will no longer conceive the thought of sinning anymore. That is grace. Are you following what I'm talking about? Come on, are we together? So when we're talking about singing the song of deliverance and singing the song of redemption, it's ability to have understanding of the old and the new. In fact, Jesus told Matthew that same thing. He said, that which is instructed in old and the new will bring forth treasure out of his treasure. You bring up truth out of his treasure. By implication, he was speaking to, um, what do you call him, Matthew, because Matthew was 
I mean, I have an understanding of the Old Testament, right? Right. But now he came to the kingdom and he was teaching about the kingdom reality as well. And so as the man, he said, you know the old and you know the new. And out of that treasure will you bring forth. Praise the living God. So when we sing in a new song, we sing the song of deliverance. Praise God, we are delivered. Then we sing the song of redemption. Are you saying what I'm saying? What the song of redemption? Remember the case, my redeemer? And that we have been redeemed from everything. Think about that. Whether it be anything your forefathers were doing, whether anything that community was doing, there is nothing that this blood cannot redeem you from. We've been redeemed completely from anything of the past. I said that yesterday. Don't let anybody tell you. Take you to the village. You have nothing in the village. If you are going to the village, go and show the glory of God there. Don't look for trees to approve. Don't look for whatever. No, don't look for anything there. You have been redeemed from all of those things. You are not part of your past. You are a new creature. You are a new being. You are a church of the living God. You have the glory of God upon your head. Your mind is renewed because you have the word of God on your forehead. You are not a dumb axe. You are a living son of the living God. Hallelujah somebody. Praise God. Did I help you? Thank you so much. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.